Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jen. Welcome to Marginalia Pod. Where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connections through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Gurungai and Dauru people, traditional custodians of the land where I am recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. I'd also like to acknowledge the Mana Whenua of Te Awa Kitai, where I'm recording today. Hello. Hi, how are you? I have been better. I am sick. My daughter has shared her cold with us. It is not the spicy cough, thankfully, but it is still a cold and it's annoying. But, and it's just been a week. It has been a week. <laughs> so I'm very Yeah, because you've had weekend. a, you had tummy pains too, didn't you? In the house. Yeah. I mean, not you specifically, but. <laughs> yes. So my daughter's cold kept her home from school for two days. And then on the Tuesday evening, um, we snuck out because it was our anniversary. And so we snuck out before a parent info night at the school to have like the quickest dinner ever. And then we got mm. called away from the parent info night because basically she had a bubble, like a trapped bubble. Oh, poor And you thing. know how they can just feel like the worst, most painful thing ever? So yeah, she had a bit of a miserable week, but she went to school on Aww. Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. <laughs> so it's like, thank goodness. That's good. I'm glad, yeah. you know, she felt up to that at least. It is horrible yeah. though. Yeah, it's not fun when you don't feel good. And like, especially the first time you ever have a really terrible tummy ache, it's it's like the world is ending. Yeah, poor mm. thing. Um, well, I've got a dog here with me today, so I apologize for any weird background noise you may hear. But we are doing an adoption trial, which is... You know, we'll see how it goes. But she's all over the place, so. Marginalia Pod is a friend to the animals. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, if you hear the weird di- dinosaur squeaky toy in the background, I apologize. We're doing the best we can here. <laughs> we'll be all right. We will. We'll do our best. That's right. Oh, so what sparked joy for you this week? Probably this, that. I was very excited <laughs> about the idea of getting a dog. So, yeah. Oh, that's so great. She's got a lovely little face. She does. She's got a very sweet face, but it just depends how she settles in with uh, our already existing cat, Luna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, how she copes, you know, because we are working people. We don't have someone home all the time, so it might not work out, but we'll try. We'll give it the old college try. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I hope she settles and I hope that it works out for you because puppies are the best. They really are. There we go. Squeak, 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 squeak. (laughs) Well, I think for me, the sparking joy is that I got back to running. I actually was able to start running again. I was like, I'm going to run every day in May. And then three days in, I was like, actually, that's probably a bad idea. And also my husband's going away on a week-long bushwalk, so I won't have anyone to be home with the children for the weekend. So I was like, you know what? It's okay if I just run a lot this May. So once yeah. um, they're in school on Monday, I'll go for another run and then decide what I want my overall goal to be. But I'm back to it. It's great. It's I was very sore. We joked that I had direct onset muscle soreness instead of delayed <laughs> onset muscle soreness. Um, and my other joy is that my cat had emergency surgery on Tuesday, but she's okay. Yeah. And she's actually back to her normal cranky self so she's been living in the bathroom on quarantine so that no one else can bother her and today she tried to kill me when I gave her her medicine so she's definitely perked right up (laughs) I have a few war wounds but I'm like very happy she's back to her grumpy dainty lady self glad that she's home safe and sound 
Me too. I'm mm-hmm. very, I also feel very vindicated because I knew she hadn't been dissexed. I knew it. <laughs> I just yeah. knew it. But um, the vet and I had had so many conversations about this. And when he handed me the desexing certificate, he's like, it's for real this time. I promise. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> I know that paperwork has failed you in the past, but this is legit. <laughs> it was really funny. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, vindication. I will look on it and laugh in, in a few yeah. weeks when my bank balance is recovered. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, this week we're reading chapters 17 through 21 through the theme of duality. And I was wondering, do you have a story in the theme of duality? So duality is interesting. The first thing I thought of was that meme, you know, that inside you there's two wolves meme. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah. this became like a big thing at the end of 2018 and then through the beginning of 2019. But the origin of it was sort of a proverb, right? So it was this idea that a grandfather says that there are two wolves fighting inside mm-hmm. him, an evil one and a good one. And then his grandson asks who will win and the grandfather replies, the one you feed. And so it was always this thing like there are two wolves inside you. One is X and the other is Y and you are X, you know. Mm. And I just love it because it's something I say all the time when I'm doing something like I'm like, yes, I'm going to be good. I'm going to go on so many runs. I'm going to like sort out my eating and not just eat entire blocks of chocolates every night. And then I immediately eat a block of chocolate. I'm like, well, inside me are two wolves. (laughs) Like at all times. <laughs> and then last night, um, it, my homie and I did a tarot draw for the full moon. We did some tarot cards and mine were all extremes. They were all just one extreme to the other. So it mm. was like what you think will help and what you think will hinder. And it was just like polar opposites and what will actually help and what will actually hinder. And it was just like completely swinging from one to the other. And I was just like, this is so interesting because I do often think of myself as someone who has these two dual influences in my life. Like sometimes Mm. I just want to be, you know, really mind my business, be really professional, get stuff done. But then I'm also just a chaotic neutral a lot of the time. And it's Mm. just like, these two things are not compatible. And it's who's to say which one is more, apt and which you know which one is the true quote unquote you or is all of it just a part of you and it's just about finding that balance and I think that's the most Mm. important thing like it's possible to hold two extremes within yourself and it's just about Mm. finding a happy medium to express that so that's what I thought of when I was thinking about duality I love that I don't know what my two wolves would be. Happy and delightful. (laughs) Probably either going back to what I was doing before and ignoring the crash that comes from the other part of the house or getting up and dealing with it in a patient way. Those are my two wolves. Um, Should I do our chapter summaries? Yes, please. Okay, so in this section, Blue finds Jesse Ditley's name on the church watch list and takes comfort in sitting outside with Mr. Gray, missing Maura together. Gansey has begun waiting for Blue to call at night, which she does. Noah is aware of these chats, but he promises not to say anything, because they're definitely illegal. We finally meet Henry Cheng. He keeps popping up like a lucky penny, but Gansey, while polite, doesn't have much time for him. Adam and Ronan visit the barns, where Ronan tells Adam what he's been working on, bringing the dream out into the world. He confesses that Matthew is one of his earliest dreams, and tasks Adam with researching enough about Green Mantle to destroy him. So we have a lot of duality this week. I thought especially with Blue and the women of 300 Fox Way. Uh, yeah, I thought there was loads of duality as well with the Fox Way. So really interested yeah. in your thoughts on that, because even between Kella and Persephone and the kind of the duality of the magic that they do and how they approach magic. Yeah, absolutely. The first bit of this section we read was talking about how 
On page 139, Calla and Mora had generally worked the house finances together, Calla operating the calculator like an adult and Mora sitting cross-legged in the middle of the table nearby. But now there was no Mora. And like, I just love the idea that it's harder for Calla to do this work that she was already doing by herself without company to do it. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me a bit of the ADHD concept of body doubling where like for my citizenship, I had the paperwork done. I've had the paperwork done probably for like 10 years, right? Like it's just ridiculous. But literally, it took me a year to do it from the third time I put it all together again with, like, recent passport pictures. And my husband just sat down and he's like, we're submitting it right now. And he had to sit with me while I did every step. And it took, like, 12 minutes. But literally, Mm -hmm. I just needed somebody to sit with me because I had been trying to do it for so long that I'd built up this block. And I feel like this is a similar thing that Kel is going through, right? Like, Mora isn't actually helping with the finances. She's just sitting there while it's getting done. Yeah. She's physically present. Yeah. (laughs) Who's not actually that much of a pest, except she's really annoyed and she wants to be annoyed at someone, which Kala should have some sympathy for because that is Kala's whole shtick. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I thought there was like also duality in just the physical environment of Foxway, right? Because we yeah. talk about all the noise and everybody has people over and it's mm-hmm. busy. And, and then the reading room is the quietest place or the garden, like, you know, with the, yeah. the tree and stuff, it's really peaceful and Blue finds real calm there. And so you've got this real chaos versus the calm energy. Yeah, and I love the way that they describe how many people are in and out of that house. I feel like it's a shame we're not going to get the TV show because the opportunity for local extras to just run in and out of a house like that would be incredible. Constantly, yeah, just totally (laughs) constant noise. I also think her temper tantrum and her argumentativeness here are like really sharply contrasted with her remorse and her shame because she is very Mm. ashamed of throwing receipts at Kala. Like she's immediately like, I am so sorry. Um, And then, you know, she said, she says to Kala, you know, I don't want to go to community college. And Kala's like, well, you shouldn't complain to me because I worked my butt off to go to community college. But so, yeah. like, that might be true, but that's also not very helpful. And I think when you're dealing with a teenager, you kind of have to be like, yeah, it does suck. I feel yeah. you. You just have to let them have the big feelings. And Kala's not really giving her that space. But she's definitely feeling bad about feeling bad. And I love that she's like, is this going to be about, uh, you know, you walking both ways uphill mm-hmm. school sort of situation? <laughs> Yeah, Blue's gotten yeah. real salty. She misses her mom, and, and it's it's just huge. It, it just reminds me of that thing that Maggie said in one of our classes, that empathy is expensive for kids, and you mm. really feel it now where Blue is hurting so much that her empathy is just really hard to reach. Yeah, it's a tough time, right? And she is, like, going through a lot. Like, she's had this disappointment from school. Her, she obviously misses her mom. It's just this constant thing. Like, yeah. she still worries about Gansey's impending death, you know. Which, you know, she has that conversation with the grey man, which I kind of loved because there's duality in that as well. Because he talks about fate versus mere prognostication, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Which really made me think of Gansey when he talks about how he's feeling on page 150. He talks about the sense that time was passing without being replaced, that it was yeah. running out and spooling to the end. And I felt that was like spoke to prognostication as well, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. And the duality yeah. of the future, because, you know... Blue goes in there and asks for a reading, like, am I an orphan in, in the future? She's being sassy. But she also says, I don't mm. want to go to school anymore. And Kala is like, well, you're not quitting, so I'm sorry for your loss. I feel like there's a duality in that and the expectation as well. For sure. And just the way that time is a circle in this universe where you remember what happens in the future. Like, that's how she explains it to the gray man, that it's a memory of what comes next. Yeah, it is. Which is a really beautiful way of thinking about it. I really love the gray man being, <laughs> he's the ultimate in duality, right? He's the most comforting person to be mm. at this moment, but he's a literal hitman. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I, I love that he recognises that within himself. He's always been very clear about who he was, right? But he says on page 145, and it seems fitting to make it the day I start to be the person your mother thinks I could be. Like, mm. he recognises that capacity that comes from duality too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I thought, obviously, a lot of duality across the chapter for lots of people. Like, Adam recognises this duality in Ronan. Yeah. When that, that beautiful chapter where they're at the barns, right? Oh, my gosh. I just I read that, like, three times just for the joy of it. I love that moment a lot. The duality that I focused on was the way that he thinks of himself as like worthless and not not worthy of Ronan's attention, but like also he takes a kind of almost perverse pleasure in it because he has such low self-worth that he's like even Ronan is looking at me like I'm wantable. And then he yeah. even brings it up a page later on page 160 where he's like it was so different from what Adam's father had pinned to his workspace walls. But again, Adam considered Ronan's admiration of him. Someone like him treating someone like Adam as someone worthy. Yeah. It's Adam's still stuck in this idea Idea that you have to have someone worthy to you have to come from something worthy to be worthy yeah and that is just not true but he hasn't figured that out yet yeah and i love that he still goes on with this whole thing you know oh maybe i'm wrong maybe he was wrong he could be wrong and then he has that i am unknowable ronan lynch but in mm. this very same chapter he recognizes himself and ronan's lonesomeness like he sees all these yeah. moments where ronan is really lonesome and he's marked before that he was lonesome right mm. mm-hmm. i just love it and i love the connection there as well because we again see the connection between ronan and the barns which is so clear yeah but also adam's connection to the bars that, that he doesn't know that yet right but there's so many moments where he says you know on page 157, an Adam Parrish who was allowed to want this home for himself. And then he says on page 162, and they smelled vaguely familiar, like Ronan or mm. Cape's order. And then in um, Call Down the Hawk, where he says to Ronan, you know, you smell like home. Yeah. And I feel like this is this is what you're going to have, you know? Yeah. But it also just a beautiful line on page 157. Easy to see how to exile him was to excise his soul about Ronan and how he, being away from the barns was terrible for him. I love that. And I love the idea of being so firmly rooted in a place that you couldn't leave it. Yeah, that is lovely. Made me think about how Adam wants so badly to belong to the barns. He wants to come from the barns. And I definitely experienced that when I was a kid, like that wanting, that longing to belong to a different dynamic, a different family, a different environment. That was definitely something that I felt in my soul as a kid. Yeah. And so I really love yeah. that Adam is like owning up to it, wishing that he'd had that kind of that kind of background. Yeah, that connection, right? Hmm. I think it's interesting that Adam connects Ronan to the barns, but he forgets that Ronan comes from a family because he sees them as being so lonesome. Because yeah, he's but he like, has that beautiful- "Why would you want to wake the cows up?" And then Ronan says, "Some of us have a family." <laughs> like, of course, he's talking about his mom, but it takes yeah. Adam a minute to get it because he's like, "All oh, right, family." Because he just doesn't think about that, right? Mm. But he also talks about it being wild and wonderful and he goes, and that's the lynches, you know? Like, yeah, I love this as well because there's so many moments where he sees Ronan watching him, but he's also watching Ronan, like particularly on, oh yeah, what is it? It's page, oh, where is it? Mm, page 161 when mm. Ronan is showing him the dream orb. And he says yeah. Adam could see it reflected in his blue eyes. So he's like, you're looking at Ronan. You're not looking at the orb. <laughs> Yeah, well, he can't. That's the other thing. Like, how do you define a dream? How do you name a dream? I thought that was a really interesting bit of duality. How do you quantify it? Like, it's there. It's in existence, but it's not quantifiable. On page 164. Then Adam looked away again because he couldn't keep his eyes on it anymore. He could feel himself going mad trying to make sense of it. Like, what is this thing? And I love that the idea of a dream is so amorphous and 
intangible and yet it's something that Ronan pulled into being and made real yeah he is amazing I just love him as we well know when Gansey remarks you know he was so much more dangerous when he wasn't angry mm. and I love that he's trusting Adam with this thing as well being like we're gonna take down Green Mantle right like he needs Adam's help for this yeah I, lo- I love that bit of connection because it shows that Ronan really straddles the world like he is the connection between Adam and Adam's perceived ugliness of self right like the mm. ugliness where Adam comes from like Ronan knows what that's like he knows violence he knows fighting he knows that grief um and then like the beauty and the wonder of Gansey like they don't want Gansey involved with this like Ronan's like it's not your problem but like Adam is actually smart and sort of evil enough to like come up with the genuinely yeah. good plan like he is evil isn't the right word that's not that implies intent he's like clinical enough to do it right yeah he can make those like he's not weighed up in the moralistic nature of it whereas i think gansey would get tied up in the morals right yeah like he's i would say almost true neutral yeah because he can just look at the thing and be like this is what you have to do in order to make this problem go away i just love that it's their project and it's their ugliness and they're keeping it from gansey i think that they're like love for him and their love for his nobility's not right but like his noble nature is they're protective of his noble nature and they want to keep him sort of well looked after pure yeah yeah they want him to be a cinnamon roll keep his hands clean exactly which is quite beautiful meanwhile gansey's preparing to dirty his own hands his own way in order to keep give ronan an opportunity that ronan wouldn't otherwise want which is like super hard for him but he loves his friend so he's willing to do this like not okay thing which is the, the mm. transaction of Monmouth for Ronan's diploma. Mm. It's such a hard thing for Gansey to like step outside of his moral bounds. And I'm so proud of him because he loves his friend enough to do this. It's a hard thing for him to do. It is. It really is. Can I just say that I love Chainsaw? I love her her description as hulking like a tender thug on Ronan's shoulder. Such beautiful language in this section. I, I've been spending a lot of time, as you know, with Agatha Christie, and she has a really interesting command of language as well. And it's just made me appreciate the way that these books were written. They're so mm. readable, but there's also so many beautiful descriptions. I love the way the author puts words together here, especially when it comes to Ronan, because it's like Ronan is a very tender thing, but also very tough. I thought the section which they're talking about Gansey and um, Henry are talking and there's that description where, Mm. you know, Henry's calling him out on his privilege and the the section on page 153 is he would never know how much of his place he was fairly earned and how much had been bequeathed by his gilded pedigree. It used to bother him a little, now it bothered him a lot. Like, that's Mm. also beautifully, like, just a beautiful turn of phrase, but also tells you so much, right? Yeah, Because it's the duality of Gansey, too. And Mm. I like to think that it's the influence of Blue and Adam that's really made him recognize his privilege in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it makes him uncomfortable to not feel like he's earned something but he isn't lashing out at that which is a lesson that we of anyone who comes from any sort of privileged background really need to learn and take personally like Mm. or take on board like we can't take it personally when people are like hey you have more privilege than me like that that's just a fact in some ways yeah and there is a difference between the personal privilege and like systemic privilege and that's important to get into and there's nuance and everything but for sure, I love that Gansey's like, oh, well, yeah, okay. And he's ne- like, he's never defensive about it. He's always very receptive, which is frankly incredible. Yeah. And I think 
you know, you make a good point as well. Like, there's always a difference between the haves and the haves nots, but it displays itself in weird ways. Like, I really noticed when Ronan gives Adam that plum, right? And there's the description mm. that he'd already scarfed his plum, but Adam was making his plum last because yeah. Adam is used to not having things. Yeah. And he saves his food, like, in the last section or the section before where... Yeah, the candy bar. He yeah. saves it to eat on his break. And it's like, oh, will somebody just feed this boy? I... I'm stressed out by the fact that he doesn't have enough food. Very worrisome. Yeah. When does he even have time to eat? <laughs> Poor Adam. I, I don't know. Um, I thought there were a few interesting connections with Gansey and the ley line and time. Mm, yeah. So there's the nice uh, brick of foreshadowing we get where on page 144, um, or in the case of Richard Gansey III, reborn, where... Blue is talking about him being born on the line. On the list, yeah. Yeah, because he's on the list. And so it's like the biggest foreshadowing, like, oh, reborn on the line. He must have been born, reborn on the line. But, like, we don't actually know what that refers to yet. But I think that that's a foreshadowing. But also um, more connections between him and the ley line and time. You know, he's feeling the dregs of autumn as you pointed out like he's really feeling like time is spinning away swooling to an end and then he's resentful about the fact that <laughs> they have a no uniform day and like everybody's dressed yeah. in different fashions yeah. and he's like i don't like this i want to be in places that that people dress in a way that they could be dressed from 50 years ago um <laughs> and it just really cracked me up and it made me think of um the book take ivy oh. which is the sort of seminal i believe it's japanese author and photographer and i cannot remember the names but i'll put a link in the show notes um it's like the seminal style guide for prep fashion so it is literally a photography book that was put together to show ivy league school fashions and like gansey literally could walk off the pages of any of the the (laughs) photos and take ivy i feel like and avery truffleman did an entire podcast about various things called articles of interest which is great and i think she covered some take ivy um content as well so well worth checking out but it cracks me up when he's like mm. i just want to be dressed like a 1940s schoolboy." it's really funny um because he is connected to the ley line and he is in and out of time in a different way but we haven't really yeah it's, it's just really nice to see that acknowledged it cracks me up also can we just talk about how much that uniform free day must stress adam out like yeah <laughs> just what is he wearing to uniform free day? Does he have an outfit that he Probably. keeps just for this? Maybe. I'm sure that if there are Aglenby students who live there in Henrietta, it's probably easy to find things at, like secondhand stores that are not bad. Right? Mm. Yeah, I just think that really, like, I remember going to uniform fr- day and it was like uniform free day and it was always just so stressful. Like, what do you wear? And everyone's going to judge you and like... Mm. it's just a big thing which is why uniforms are kind of great they're a great equalizer but also only if you can afford the uniform which these days they're so expensive so oh yeah tell me about it i just my daughter outgrew her size 12s and she only has one year of school left in the school and so i'm like i'm not buying four more so we bought two more but the tunics themselves are like 95 dollars each craziness i have spent so much money on school uniforms and they're fine they're fine like but they're not something she would ever wear outside of school so I don't yeah. know. I do love school uniforms, but I firmly believe that they should be like track pants and polo shirts for everyone because they should be comfortable and wearable. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah. Fun fact, in Australia, they're called Mufti Days, and I do not know why, because a Mufti is a completely yeah. different thing. I believe it comes from the military, doesn't it? It might do. But it was very confusing when I started in Australia. I'm like, what now? <laughs> yeah, what is a Mufti Day? 
yeah bizarre but it's the same here i think there's also always that stress mm. when you were walking to school and you see someone else in a uniform you're like oh no oh i got it wrong it's not it's not today <laughs> i know oh that would be the worst did you get in trouble if you didn't wear your uniform properly no, my school was, my Australian school was way too far gone to care about what people, <laughs> they were just happy people were turning up. They did not really care what you wore. But in South Africa, it was very, very strict. Mm. Incredibly strict. Like, military run operation. Polished shoes, nothing yep. out of place, no stains. Gotta have the socks pulled up, gotta have checked your nails, checked your earrings, checked your hair. You'll see what these are. Mm-hmm. I've been making these sock yep, garters. to keep them up. Yep. Not a thing I ever even knew existed because I went to a public school in the US and I just wore what my mom got me from Walmart. <laughs> it's what we could afford and that's what I had. Oh, gosh. Well, um, anyway, so yes, stressful uniform, free day, but also Henry. Why is Henry and Gansey shaking hands? They're so weird. Rich people are weird. <laughs> I love how weird Henry is. I love that he's like so polite and he keeps trying to get Gansey's attention and this is like really the first time we see him trying to get Gansey's attention yeah he's also really funny like when he says on page 152 you've grasped the salient point of my position much faster than the rest of our peers I see why you're always in the newsletter like <laughs> amazing I love Henry it's taken me a while to come around because I'm like who was this latecomer to the Gansey but now I'm like I get it he's the friend you make right at the end who you're like dang I should have made friends with you sooner I do like that Adam and Ronan are just like a bit smirky and a bit exclusionary though because I am really into that. And I love that Gansey has that line on page 154 that Adam smirked a private small thing that was inherently exclusionary. An expression, in fact, he could have very well learned from Ronan. I'm like, I just love (laughs) that Ronan and like Adam are taking things from each other and Adam thinks that, you know, he's just catching Ronan looking at him and it's just everything's from Ronan. But he's talking about how handsome Ronan is Mm. and he's like observing all these things and he's looking at him all the time. And I love that Ronan's showing off. Like he's doing big showy slides into Mm. the bonds. And it's just, I just love everything about it. Everything about it. These two idiots, right? And they're single brain cell. But they're also perfect for each other, which you get through like on page 156 when Adam Mm. said, you know, he would never have pride because secrets were secrets, right? Like they just understand each other's values really well and they might not share them but they understand i love that yeah and he waits until ronan has mentioned matthew twice before he says no tell me for real tell me what this is actually about and then ronan is like yeah matthew is is one of my dreams which is great like i love that he waits until he knows that ronan is like on the cusp of telling him before he pushes yeah and then he has that observation as well, which I just love where he talks about Declan being an outsider. But I really think of Declan as a custodian. You know, he's the caretaker of these dreams and these dream things. This is the role that Niles set him up with. And he does it without anyone really knowing or caring. I know. He drives so far to go to church every Sunday. That is such a long drive just for church. And such a real point of connection, I thought. Yeah. Just a beautiful little thing. I loved it. Sending you a photo. Standby caller. Oh my goodness, Poppy. Why be in the crate when you can be on top of the crate? But I'll take it because I think she's asleep. So I'll take it. Um, If it makes you feel any better, Bella has figured out how to break into the trampoline and now jumps on it all the time by herself because she thinks it's great fun. 
Well, I suppose it's one way for her to tire herself out. Yeah. We also have a zip line in the back garden for the kids and it has a a really long bungee break. So you can like as an adult, I mean, I don't, I just let my kids hurl themselves at the tree with wanton abandon. Um, But you can break their velocity Mm. if you need to by pulling on this bungee and the dog's like, this is my tug toy now. And she pulls it all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's fine. She's got plenty to entertain herself out here when I'm busy doing other things. Totally. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Adam's observations about Ronan, and I think he's a little off the mark. So on page 157, he says he couldn't figure out how Ronan had learned to be fierce in this protected Mm, place. mm, mm. And I feel like it's because Ronan has grown up with something valuable enough to protect, whereas Adam is the other end of that spectrum where he's been assaulted on every front since he was a child. And he had he doesn't feel like there's anything in himself worth protecting so he's not fierce he's careful because he doesn't want to get hurt Mm. but like Mm. when you grow up in a minefield you can't be rambunctious whereas ronan grew up safe in love and is able to work hard to protect it because he knows that he isn't going to blow anything up just by being louder i guess it's kind of my vibe there yeah I, i would agree with that and it's i thought a great example of duality that adam is also struggling with right like he's seeing the soft side of Ronan and then he knows what Ronan is like and it's like does not compute but I think you're right that Ronan is fiercely loyal to his family and to this life that he had at the barns and he will protect yeah. it because it, it matters to him and it yeah. just brings me to something that I almost chose as my tangential but then decided not to but on page 154 when this is after the Henry interaction Gansey says to Ronan do you ever consider the possibility that you might be growing up to be an a-hole right <laughs> And I'm like, no, it's just like he doesn't care about this. It's not that he's being like he's being dismissive and he's being rude, but you don't owe anyone niceness and he just doesn't care. Like he doesn't care. Whereas the things that he does care about, he's very careful with, like with Chainsaw, with the Barnes and even with Adam, like he's incredibly careful with Adam. Oh, yeah, he's extremely careful with Adam. Maybe more careful than with anyone else. Like with Gansey, he's just himself, rude, obnoxious. But with Adam, it seems like he's a lot more, I don't want to say tender, but something like tender adjacent. Careful is probably the best word for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was it in terms of duality and connection from me. How about you? No, I think that was it for me, yeah. I did have some tangential. How about you? Did you have anything tangential? Yes, I did indeed. Awesome. Um, firstly, I just want to say that Blue has really struck upon a big issue in my life when on page 140 she makes the comment that you can't complete a negative job ever, which mm. is, you know, she's i.e. when does mum know she's successfully not woken someone? And I'm like, that is my life. That is my job. I work in harm reduction. Mm. We can never prove that we are successful because the way we know we're not successful is when people don't get hurt. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's very hard to prove that your program is successful when nothing ever happens. Because you could be like, ah, it was us. It's because of our work. Uh, But people can be like, no, people just didn't get hurt. So I really appreciated that (laughs) insight into my life. So thank you for understanding, Blue Sergeant. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, How do you base your performance especially if you're a particularly ambitious person or you like rely on funding or something how then do you get that funding if you can't like prove kpis or whatever right like that is yeah wild i guess i had not connected that but yeah um hats off to you for working in a field that is really hard to quantify (laughs) the results just vibes i make this joke all the time i'm like it's just vibes just vibes we're just Just vibing 
getting people to like be safe about their recreational drug use vibes here for it yeah exactly (laughs) and another thing that made me laugh is when she says on page 141 morale is low because we have a manager that wanders around and goes how's morale and it's very very annoying (laughs) and once i said to him it's bad stop asking (laughs) like thank you for pointing out that nothing feels good right now friend the troops don't want to go to community college this troop doesn't want to go to work and yet here we are (laughs) yeah i get blue on that that was a rough one for me i could have gone to a community college and probably saved a bunch of money but then i would have had to live at home and that was not an option for me so i'm with blue on that one if you feel like you need to get out you probably do need to get out yeah but it's rough also just very funny are you reading off notes no gansey closed his journal I had that one down too. It cracked me up. And then the next time he was like, I can't, I can't open my journal. So I have to think of something to tell her. (laughs) It's really cute. Very cute. I mean, he's the guy who like writes down interesting facts to whip them out at a party, isn't he? He totally is that guy. And he just did that with a girl he liked because he's not at all suave. He is socially awkward and I love him for it. (laughs) It's very cute. Yeah. One tangential marginalia I had was I really love everything about Henry, but I love that his hair is described as looking like a pitch black fire because I guess I had never thought about Henry's hair before, but now I have it envisioned in like tall spikes. And it reminds me of this kid that I went to school with, Brian, who had tall spikes in his hair and then he grew out two sections of it so he could gel two of them into devil horns. Oh my goodness. He was in my art class and we had good chats. I don't know. I hope he's doing well in life, but um, Henry Chang's fire, pitch black fire hair reminded me of Bride from art class, so... Amazing. Yeah, it was a very cool hairstyle. And this was also like turn of the century, I like to say now, because I'm old. So (laughs) this was like when Slipknot was a really big deal and everyone was listening to like that kind of music. (gasps) Don't they have an album called Duality? Just saying. Drop that Slipknot reference. Maybe they do. When I was that age, my big metal rock anything was Tool. And I was really into Tool. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think when you're a teenager into Tool, that's kind of the only band you can be into because they are just too big for anything else. Yeah, they take up a lot of space. They really do. First concert that I ever went to, though, it was very, very excellent. So can highly recommend. Wow, good job. They can put on a great show. Um, Yeah, I think that's it for Tangential, other than the whole book that I underlined as (laughs) usual. Uh, I just want to say, I'm not here anymore for this Ronan as Gansey's dog discourse. Mm. So Gansey does this thing with Henry where he says about Ronan, sorry, didn't get enough exercise today. Or there's something wrong with his diet. I'll take him away. And I'm like, I get it. It's this like running joke in the school, but also let's move on. Ronan's been through a lot. You've seen what happened in the summer. Let's all just move on from this. It's true. But also I think, I think it's Ronan's joke as well now. He's taken ownership of it, right? Well, he plays into it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking about in The Dream Thieves when he is talking with Kavinsky and he just lets it roll off his back every time. Yeah. Because he knows that what he has with Genzi is way more important, right? Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. But... I think my puppy is barking outside, though. Sorry if you hear boof boofs from my boof 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 dog. Oh, she's so cute. Oh, she's the cutest. And I had a bad headache the other week. She just followed me around. She was like sticking between. My- I probably almost died like three times because she tried to trip me over, but she just wouldn't leave me alone. Cause she was like, you're sick. I need to be next to you. Aww. She's the best. <laughs> I don't deserve her. Yes, you do. You deserve all the love. Thank you. I certainly love her very much. I love the bluesy here. I love that he can sleep after 
they talked that's the other well i think that's probably the biggest thing i was i love that he felt guilty for a little bit but then by the time he talked to ronan and got murder squash songed again (laughs) and then went back to bed all of the guilt had like fallen away and he just felt happy and he was able to lay down and go to sleep like that is like peak good vibes it's lovely and it's so lovely when he falls asleep with his hand well he like lies there with his hand on the phone like he's waiting he's like i can't call but she might call me and it's just, i envision yeah. it like this like dracula or something <laughs> but like with his phone on his chest and then ronan and his murder squash where he's like i'm gonna get the t-shirt like honestly <laughs> commits to a joke and i am here for it i appreciate that i feel like we need to get the t-shirts as well now yeah i want it to be in like a metal font you know yeah like that indecipherable metal font because i can only assume the affront that everyone has to this song it must be like kind of real heavy metal like death core right it has to be or it's like barbie girl right like it's one of the two <laughs> right it ha- like because he doesn't he like electronica doesn't he like sort of like that dingy edm what was your your co-worker who made you the playlist what's that genre called yeah yeah, drum and bass. Mm. Um, did you have an in-depth this week? I sure did. So it's page 153. It is when they're having the conversation. Henry's asked them to, well, he's asked Gansey to sign his petition for student <laughs> council, like, you know, for the student chosen council. And then he asks Ronan if he'd sign it. And Ronan's like, whatever. Didn't you say I didn't have a soul? And then Gansey has this reaction where he says he didn't look at all aglandly just then with his shaved head and his black biker jacket and his expensive jeans mm. he looked altogether very grown up it was gansey thought as if time had carried ronan a little more swiftly than the rest of them this summer i think it relates to the themes because it's duality in the sense that you've got this like high school student expectation and then this adult reality like this he's really straddling these two things and i think it's mm-hmm. this break between perception and reality as well like the way people view you and the way you feel in a lot of ways and I think people forget Ronan's just a kid a lot of the time. Like, yeah. he's been through so much, though, but he is still just a teenager. And then also just connection, as always, the connection between all of them, the way that they just notice each other and how they just constantly Check are just in. so aware of each other, right? Yeah. Um, but it made me think of Kaz Brecker from Shadow and, well, Six of Crows, but the Shadow and Bones television show as well. And the idea that he is also just a child who is also a crime kingpin and he just Mm. wanders around and people just forget, you know, and there's that line where he says, dirty hands have come to see the job done, right? Because he's Mm. just like, get in, get out, no morals, no scruples. He's just going to quest for revenge and he's just going to get these things done. But he is mourning his brother, which is why he's acting the way that he is. Yeah. And he is just still a teenager they're all teenagers all of the crows are teenagers and then it made me think of all these dystopian books that i grew up reading like katniss everdeen Mm. who was 16 years old who then gets thrown into the hunger games with all these other teenagers and then they have to go and you know commit murder on television and they're just kids but people forget and they view them as adults because it's easier to do that Mm. you kind of have to in order to make it work to like square it away with your own expectation because you think that a child should behave a certain way but the world shapes you in its image right if you've experienced things a certain way then you're going to behave a certain way so Mm. you might not be you might be 16 but you might not actually be a child anymore because of what you've undergone right but that's just the long long long-winded observation because what i actually want to take forward from this and it's something that i've been doing a lot this year is like just indulge your inner child like 
there's plenty of time to be a grown-up. There's plenty of time where we have to do these things. And when the opportunity arises just to just be silly and be your teen self and indulge in these things that used to make you happy, they can still make you happy. You haven't changed that much. Yeah. Your inner ch- like I was always very reluctant to talk about inner child work, but I think it's actually really important and really valuable and it's helped me a lot in therapy. Hmm. So now I'm like pro inner child. So going forward, just a reminder, you might be very grown up, but indulge your inner child. I like the idea that Ronan might have been carried forward a little further because of his grief and coming to terms with his own abilities, but he's still there with them. Yeah. And yes, I think you should, like, my, my inner child work is all reparenting myself. That was the thing. I was like, okay, I got to step up for myself so that I can grow into the adult that I need to be and want to be. And that was really yeah. hard. And that's a process. Like, I mean, I think it helps in some ways that I'm parenting my kids at the same time. So I'm like, right, how would I treat my actual child if I if they felt yeah. this way? You know, it, it makes me more gentle in myself for sure. Yeah, you should be young. Yeah, when you can, when the opportunity presents itself. Uh, what, what was your index marginalia? Uh, so I chose on page 143. The context is that Blue is sitting outside with the gray man. She's in her back garden. She's thinking about the beech tree. She's just had an argument with Calla. Calla hasn't been very comforting. And so Blue has taken the list, the church watch list to go outside. And she finds the gray man out there. And she, mm. she reflects that he's a very comforting presence to her. So on page 143, it seems strange that she felt the least lonesome and uneasy sitting here with him instead of with Cal or Persephone. Um, again, that word lonesome, which turned up a lot with Adam and Ronan this week and a little bit with Gansey, but mostly with Adam and Ronan, Adam observing Ronan as lonesome. But I thought it was really interesting that Blue has that little bit of lonesomeness there too. Mm, yeah. I think that the gray man too blue is a connection to mora in a way that reflects how blue is a connection to mora it's outside of the context of the women of 300 fox way but it's not exclusionary like it doesn't exclude them it's just that mora and blue have their own relationship and the gray man and mora have their own relationship and it's different to the relationship that mora Calla, and persephone have with each other so i think when blue sees Calla and persephone she, it's like she's seeing a table with three legs that's missing its leg and so the balance is off because their dynamic is that they are three and I think that that's been really hard for Blue, and that's why she's really struggling with relating to Calla or Persephone, even though they would be the natural people to turn to. Like, she's so used to seeing them with Mora that she can't really see them without her. But the Gray Man is different because he was alone and lonesome a little like Blue. He, he was always on his own, but now that he and Mora are in love or in a relationship or whatever, their loss feels a little bit more alike. There's a bit more kinship there because Blue and her mother are different than Blue and anyone else in that house. And the gray man and Mora are different than the gray man and anyone else in that house. So the duality mm. is that they both miss her in different ways. And that's that, their point of connection, right? So as far as other texts go, um, my daughter and I have been watching a lot of Voyager. We're having a Voyager marathon. Mm. And we're just at the part of the series where Kess is beginning to like outgrow the ship and outgrow their mission. It's like really a story of her coming of age at this point in the show, end of season three. Um, and I think it's a really interesting parallel with how Kess and Tuvok become friends in the mentee mentor fashion. But yet Kess right, is helping yeah. the doctor who's a hologram. Like she's helping him into personhood. And like all of this is happening while she's growing into herself. And I think 300 Foxway is a little bit like that ship. It's a capsule. It's a bottle episode writ large. It cannot contain everyone, not really. But there's a feeling of sameness within it that makes it feel like it's eternal and special. But I think Blue is outgrowing her ability to thrive in 300 Foxway at the same time that she's, like, supported and upheld by the love and care it has given her. It's kind of how I mm. linked that um, 
And so going yeah. forward, I guess sometimes the hitman dating your mom is the easiest guy in the room <laughs> to be sad with, which is valid. Feel your feelings. Live within them. <laughs> Let the eyelids get in your eye and cry if you need to. Growth is often painful. Grief is often painful. And so often we do them both in tandem but don't really parse that until we've grown up and grieved ourselves out. Yeah. And there's no timeline for it, right? Like you are just going to feel terrible and sometimes you'll feel fine and then you'll feel terrible again and you just have to ride it. There's no easy way out of that grief. And it's nice that when you can share it with someone who understands or is also going through it yeah. in a similar way. Yeah, yeah, that connection does help. And also shout out to the Grey Men for just genuinely enjoying Blue's company. I remember being a teenager and when there were other grown-ups who just treated me like I was already a person, that was so valuable. Mm, yeah, totally. I mean, he doesn't treat her like a best friend, but he definitely talks to her like she's a person and not a kid. Yeah, like she's got something valuable to say. She can hear things that he needs to tell her. It's nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's a certain level of respect. That lack of condescension is really important, I think. Yeah. Especially at that age. Yeah. Um, Who would you like to spotlight this week? I'm going to spotlight Ronan. Mm. Mainly because he has this moment where... They're talking to Henry, right? And then off the back of that, mm. he's like, I'm taking Adam to the barns, right? Because they've had quite a good repartee in that moment. You know, he's yeah. made Adam laugh and stuff. And he's like, oh, we're going for a drive. And Adam's like, we are. And then he takes him to the barns and he's decided that this is the moment he's going to share this thing with him. And he's just mm. going to be like really honest about what he's doing and what he's going through in a way that I think, you know, we've discussed it all the time. Vulnerability is a hard thing. And he's being yeah. vulnerable in this moment. And he's saying, I need your help to do this thing that is mm. really important to me. And he trusts that Adam is going to basically catch him in that moment. So, yeah, I wanted to spotlight him for that because I think it's great. Good job, Ronan. Proud of you. That is great. Well done, Ronan. Leading the way. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you like to spotlight? I'm going to spotlight Blue um, because she's tantruming and she's crying mm. and she's loving her tree and she's calling Gansey and she's just a big mess and I get it. And I kind of love that our like sensible old lady character has come into her own teenagerhood and is just feeling the feelings i'm here for it but she does need a hug yeah i agree she does just need a hug she does just need a hug hmm. poor little thing um, yeah okay did you have any homework for our <laughs> listeners <laughs> um yeah so i already mentioned the take ivy book which is hard to find i think it's it might be out of print but i did find the link on amazon so i'll put it in the show mm -hmm. notes um, and then also I did mention Avery Truffleman's podcast, Articles of Interest, which is great. It's part of the 99% Invisible Universe. And if if you've ever heard me talk about 99PI, it's just a fantastic design podcast. Like he just talks about, it's like the best little, I have a half hour and I want to learn something cool. Um, so good. And also this week for book club, I read The Honeys by Ryan Lasala. And it's creepy and spooky and evocative, but it's not like... I don't know. It's like what I wanted Yellow Jackets, the TV show, to be. <laughs> so right. I would say, I get, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like a similar vibe, but just so much better. And uh, gender fluid main character, which is great. And, like, twins, which is another thing that I'm like, ooh, a book about twins. Can't wait to read this because mm. I'm a weirdo. So um, highly recommend that. Uh, how about you? Did you have any homework this week? All I'm going to say is I've just finished season three of The West Wing. We're just powering through with The West Wing. Highly, mm. highly recommend for anyone who hasn't watched it. It's great. I love it. I love everything about it. I know I'm 20 years too late, but it's great. It's such a good show. There's also a great podcast called The West Wing Weekly, which is like an episode by episode breakdown of it. Ah, I'll give that a go. 
Bethany recommended that one to me for a while. I haven't actually listened to it because I want to listen to it while I'm doing a rewatch. So it's it's there waiting for me. Awesome. Love it. It's great. Love the characters. Love everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Next week we'll be reading chapters 22 to 27 through the theme of suffering because, yay, we, we love, love positive things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> this should be fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for potting with me and thank you for your patience with my doggo friend. It's okay. Who is now on the table because, sure. Hey, Life is short. Get down. Good job. Life is short. We adopt dogs and see how it goes. Well, no, thank you so much. And I'm glad I got to meet your lovely puppy. I hope that she works out and that it works out for your little family. <laughs> me too. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I hope you have a calmer week ahead with less Thanks. chaos. I'm looking forward to it. I am single parenting at the moment, but I keep getting beautiful pictures from Northern Territory of my husband's walk. Oh, so beautiful. I know. Hopefully he's having a good time too, which is nice. It's good for him to get out and just have a break. Yeah. You're a great, wonderful wife and parent. <laughs> I can tell you I'm already feeling very lonely because I've been, I've been cleaning everything. So like the coffee Aww. machine is sparkling. The fridge, I cleaned the fridge out. It's been a year or more since I like took the shelves out and wiped them all down, but they're done now. Um, I have done all of the laundry. There's no laundry to do. <laughs> it's just, Amazing. It's well, just... very productive of nothing else. <laughs> this is it. I'm just extremely, pro like I don't have anybody to talk to, so I'm just going to clean. I'm going to channel yeah. some of that into making some dinner for my kids now. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy. Yeah. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Marginalia Pod is written, edited, and produced by us, Gen D and Gen V. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to hello at marginaliapod.com. Check out our Instagram or maybe dash off a quick review. You can also subscribe so you never miss an episode. Our music is by Scott Buckley and the logo artwork is by Laura Cato. You can find detailed show notes for each episode and much more at our website www.marginaliapod.com. Special thanks to all the people in our various communities whose love and care sustains us. Without your support we would be very sad little critters. We appreciate you. And to you, our wonderful listeners, thanks again for being here. We love spending this time with you. 